Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi, we've got a great guest today and a good friend of ours, and uh, we're going to be talking about the impact of traumatic loss over time, and uh, I'd like you to introduce her right away because we've got a lot to talk about today. Okay, Mom, and I'm very interested in this topic, as you said, because we are going to look like we're going to look at how traumatic loss does impact us over our whole life course. Our guest today is Sherry O'Laughlin. She is the Chief Executive Officer of the Compassionate Friends. Her 14-year-old son, Connor, died in a plane crash, and her eight-year-old sister also suddenly died, and her name was Patty. Uh, she has a Master's of Business Administration from the University of Chicago, and she is the author of the book, Life from the Ashes, Finding Signs of Hope After Loss. And she has also developed corporate programs for supporting grief in the workplace. Welcome to the show, Sherry. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to be here. And I've known you both for a while and so appreciate our longtime relationship and great to be here on behalf of the Compassionate Friends and this topic, which is, is really near and dear to my heart as well. I have three children. Uh, Connor was my middle child. So uh, daughter Mackenzie, my son Connor, and then my daughter Erin. And at the time, Connor was 14, and he had the opportunity to go on a wonderful um, guy's vacation with one of his closest friends, also named Connor, and the other Connor's father, who was a pilot. And they um, went from Albuquerque, which is where we lived at the time, to Sedona, and had just mm. a wonderful four-day um, guy's trip doing all the things that a 14-year-old boy would absolutely love. And... Um, as those of us who have experienced shocking loss, I, I never would have imagined on the uh, takeoff on the way home, the uh, airplane crashed uh, going 100 miles an hour with a full tank of wow. fuel and my life was changed in an instant in a way I could never have fathomed. So um, as I said, that was 10 and a half years ago, he'd be turning 25 this month, actually. You know, it's interesting hearing your story because there's a lot of parallels to my brother's story because he was in a car with my cousin and he was the passenger and the car hydroplaned at the side of a bridge and it blew up. The car started on fire and then it blew up. So, you know, again, the trauma of losing someone that way, it's, it's pretty traumatic. Very traumatic. Yeah. It's, it's traumatic losing either way, but those extra mm -hmm. factors to deal with are, are hard for the mind and a mom or sister's person to even comprehend, really. Well, let's talk about um, trauma over time. Now, uh, an airplane crash. I know there are many people who feel afraid of going on airplanes mm -hmm. anyway. I mean, did it impact you? It was really tough at first, and it, it was difficult because we had to fly pretty quickly. We, we lived in Albuquerque. We had a, a large service there, but we'd only been there about five years, so we had a, a lots of family and friends that lived a lifetime in Milwaukee. So we had a service there as well and uh, actually had to get on a week later. So yes, it was quite traumatic. Um, you know, our, our bodies 
our, our experience of loss is felt in all ways, physical, spiritual, emotional, psychological. So my body certainly had physical experiences and it took a long time to be able to fly and not react each time I went on. Um, I have a very spiritual view of loss and a connection with my son. And, and after time, I always would find that I would be placed by um, someone who looked just like him as a little boy, you know, a little boy with blonde hair or a family with a mom, you know, juggling three kids. And it seemed to relax me and help me a little bit over time. What kind of things helped you? You know, I always um, would wear um, something of Connors when I flew. Mm, I love that. So a necklace, an earned necklace or his bracelet or whatever that might be. So early on, it might've been his shirt and his jacket, whatever helped me feel comfortable. And I tried to really do breathing exercises through it. That was a big piece of just sort of um, shutting down all my systems and working through breathing. I would sometimes take my, at the time, iPod and you know my, my songs and put my earphones in. I never sit in an exit row when they drop the you know, um, the mask. And when they talk about exiting, I do something to this day so that mm. I don't have to hear all of that. And um, those were really helpful coping techniques as well. Now, I think there's a key thing you said just now. I do it to this day. Mm -hmm. These yeah. coping things. They I, One of the things that I think we need to do here today is normalize it for people. Honestly, when it rains to this day, it has been 40 years. I catch my breath. I am very tense. I do not like driving in deep rain. I would rather stop and go in. That really triggers for me a, a basic fear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I remember some of the early fears were of people driving, you know, having my kids get driver's licenses. Right. You know. Right. Um, well, well, it's interesting, mom, because I'm a parent now and I had this fear that 17 year olds die in car accidents because my brother and cousin both were 17 and they died together in a car accident. So I was fearful that 17 year olds die. And when my son was 17, I, I wasn't, I was nervous. I was nervous when he turned 17. I didn't want him to get his license. I didn't tell him because I didn't want him to have anxiety. So I knew that wasn't healthy for him, but you know, luckily we live in New York city and he actually did not get his driver's license until he was 19. And I'm going to tell you, I was relieved. My daughter is now 18. I was really happy when she turned 18 and was no longer 17. And she doesn't, she's just starting to learn how to drive. So again, it's the, it's the, the, the idea that traumatic loss impacts us over time in various ways. Statistically speaking, we know that Scott and Connor and Matthew died these in these traumatic ways, but it's, it's, very unlikely that's going to happen to us. Like I sometimes have to keep reminding myself. I don't know if you have to do that, Sherry, but. Most definitely, yeah. most definitely. I mean, we do, all we can do is little techniques. I, I'll say to this day that when any of us fly, it's just, it's like the sun comes out every morning. You know, we text once we've boarded and we're taking off and we text the moment we land and we just do it. And I know not doing that is going to change anything. And as you said, it's most likely not going to happen again, but it's just our way of managing it, coping through yeah. and probably will be for the rest of our lives. And if someone forgets, don't forget because, because I will, I'll have a panic attack if they forget. And, and, and understandable yep. because unfortunately the other side of it is, is you know that people can die in a plane crash. 
I mean, it's happened to you. It's a lived experience. So I like the idea of, okay, we've got to text each other and don't forget to text me. <laughs> Absolutely. But if they do forget to text you, explaining to them why. I don't like to be in a car when people are driving too fast. I mean, I get really beyond upset, you yeah. know, like I never forget being in Germany and they go hundred miles an hour on the Audubon. And, and I just said, no, you, you have to go 80 with me in the car, either that or let me out. My son was killed in an automobile accident. I am not, you don't do this. Cause that's how he said, it becomes a lived experience. Giving yourself permission to be upset or to, to feel that emotion and, and talking yourself down, whatever it is you need to do early on. Whoa, there's, you know, that first year or so, you know, it's tough. You, you may have to breathe through it or talk to somebody or, you know, whatever you have to do. As I said, pull over in the rain, say, you know, I'm going to sit here until it stops. What have you found has helped people? I mean, you've worked with thousands of people over the years and you're now running the Compassionate Friends. What have you found has helped people that have had traumatic losses? I think, so it's interesting. I just wrote an article about this for our We Need Not Walk Alone magazine, but mm -hmm. I think having a toolbox, a toolkit, it, which is a mental toolkit of things that you can do when that panic hits, when those moments hit, because in those times, we're, you know, we're not in control anymore. Our mm -hmm. bodies take over, our minds take over, our hearts, we race, we have a panic attack, all those things understandably happen to us. And so ahead of time, making a list of all the ways that you can impact your senses. Because when we change in that moment, one of our senses, we can start to take a little bit of control over it. So whether that's a scent that might be carrying a small bottle of essential oils with you, mm -hmm. that might be, um, if you're at home having a cup of coffee, something that is a scent that changes you, it might be music, for a lot of people, it's something that we hear. So having songs available that you can put your earphones in and switch, and sometimes that might be very peaceful, spiritual music, peaceful, um, uh, just instrumentals that calm you down. Having things that we taste can make a difference. Something that you love, a small piece of chocolate, again, a cup of tea, an herbal tea. They sound, um, they may sound small, but if we can impact a sense any of our senses, we start to shift and focus on something else. Breathing is huge. And I recommend people go through an exercise of all the things that they like that cover all of their senses and have those things on hand. So especially in the early times, so that when that happens, they can see what fits at that moment. And that's what I did and was one of the things that helped me. And it, was, it didn't change and bring my son back but it changed how I managed through those moments that were sometimes debilitating and totally out of my control. Absolutely, well, great ideas. Well, what we would suggest to you now, and I would, is that you come to the Compassionate Friends National Conference because there are gonna be so many speakers. Heidi and I'll be there speaking, Sherry will be speaking. Uh, they're gonna be so much advice and help and support for you on getting ideas how you can get through if it's a traumatic loss or a long-term illness, it's just going to be rich. So Sherry, do you want to tell them when it is this year? It's on every year somewhere. So you can go to their website, but give us the lowdown on this year, Sherry. Yes, definitely. In, we move it around the country every year. This is the 46th year, which is really amazing right. that people have been helped throughout all of that time. It's in Denver from July 7th to 9th this year. 
We'll have over 100 workshops presented. So from every topic and type of death and length of time, it's for siblings, grandparents, and parents, and those who care for those people. We have uh, six main sessions that are just vibrant, rich experiences of people who have lost and how they have found their way and what tools they've found effective. Special sessions with music and a candle lighting program and a walk to remember and sibling Sunday and all sorts of things. So it's really um, an amazing time to be with others in a unique setting who can really understand us when the outside world that doesn't happen very often and where we can talk about the person we lost as much as we want and tell their stories and say their name, no matter how long it's been since they left us. And it's and we'd love for anybody to join us who would like that kind of community and support. Compassionatefriends.org is our main website. You can find all sorts of resources on there, including our most recent issue of We Need Not Walk Alone, which is just a free resource of bereavement support, and then our conference is on the main page, and you can click through it and register and learn all about it and see who those speakers are. And again, uh, Gloria and Heidi will be helping lead, you know, Sibling Sunday, and we're thrilled with um, this year's conference. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to speaking on Sibling Sunday. Thank you. It's, a, it's almost like a reunion of the soul. What can I say for we who have lost uh, beloved children, grandchildren, siblings, and friends of those who have. So we want to thank you for being on the show, Sherry, and for what you do for the world and for what you do as Executive Director of Compassionate Friends. Thank you. And thank you for having me. And thank you for all that Open to Hope does and providing hope for people every day when it's really needed. Thank you so much, Sherry. And I know that Connor and Patty are your guiding lights. For and sure. thank you for everything that you do to build awareness for sibling loss and for child loss and for grandchild loss. Thank you. And we wanna thank everybody for joining on this show today. And Heidi and I always wanna remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.